Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. Today, we're going to be doing an episode called Character in a Writer. It'll be episode 129. I know, they're really moving up there, and it's always excited to to see that. Every time I, I say the number, which of course is in sequential order, you know, it's still it still can be a, an amazing thing that, you know, we were able to continue on this farther and, and, and go, you know, even farther from here. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited. And, and thank you very much for being with me on this, this journey, so to say. Now, you could probably, because we'll talk a lot about the submission segment of all of this, but I didn't want to call the show, uh, you know, character in submission. Even though a lot of it has to do with that. Because this doesn't sound like a really good title. And it might even be completely confusing. At least character and a writer makes some sense. Now, what we're going to talk about on this particular show. And in various pieces and, and, and segments of it as we go along. Is all the various things that you should be doing in terms of practice. Of preparing and also of submitting. And, and how that increases your success. But also how it really be- turns you into the writer that you should become because unfortunately uh, too many are, are writers out there they don't really have a lot of guidance in this area and uh, we, we still and I don't know if that'll ever change but we still live in a society over here where character it doesn't seem to be a real real component of of people anymore you know they if they don't have the right agenda they don't say the right word or you know wear the right outfit or something uh, you know they're they're bad which to me, it, it's a whole new form of, of bigotry to, to be worrying about all that superficial stuff rather than the things that should be coming from your integrity, should be coming from your upbringing, should be coming from your heart. But uh, unfortunately, we have too many folks that that is not the case. And, and some of that, for use of an unusual word, infects uh, the, the writer and, and writing in general. So I see that come across the board over here, you know, in submissions in my uh, literary journal aerial chart, uh, and sometimes the emails or instant messages I might got, and and, and even sometimes on the uh, on the show to a, a, a certain extent in, in exchanges uh, about that, and and it can be uh, disheartening, and and I have to be uh, I have to be cautious because in the very end, for me anyway. I, I'm not only just looking to produce, you know, good writing, you know, but I'm I'm hoping that we can do something here in the in the magazine and in and in the show to, you know, to to shape some of the writing that's out there and some of the writers so that they can, you know, they can have some longevity and they can do the right thing that that should be done in in their writing, and, and also for them to become, in in many ways, you know, better citizens and better people because writing can can do that as well. It's not just a bunch of jumble of words. It's not just a, 
some screech or some rant. You know, it's more than that. You know, it, it is art. It is therapy. And maybe even for some people, it's a, a form of a business. And that's fine too. But, you know, if you don't have character, if you don't have a professional uh, demeanor about things, if you don't take, like we used to say in the Air Force, if you don't have military bearing, that's what we used to always talk about, which was, of course, the, you know, the kind of mindset, the understanding of the environment you're in and, and you know, and, and, and adapting to it so that uh, you can be successful and in military, unlike regular life, be successful means that maybe you don't get somebody killed, you know, uh, in, in, in a dumb fashion or, or maybe you don't get yourself killed when that need, need to be necessary. You prevent, you know, accidents and, and deaths. And, of course, make sure that you, you, know, you execute um, uh, the, the missions that you've been given. And that's what military bearing was all about then. And, of course, in many instances, we need that type of, a, you know, um, I guess you could say programming in our own lives as civilians. But it's really it's really about character in, in the end. And it's not, I find it's not difficult for, for those as a civilian that have character to translate over to, a, you know, a military atmosphere and, and vice versa. Because they have a, a better understanding of who they are. Now... How do you get character, you know, in a writer or even in writing if you're in one of those situations where, um, hey, Mark, I don't exactly know all the things about myself and I don't exactly know all the paths I might want to follow or even the one I'm particularly on right now. Maybe I am confused. Maybe I am um, a bit adrift, you know, and and I'm hoping that maybe writing can help me find a direction. Which, by the way, none of this is a problem for me or in general because it happens a lot and it's completely valid and and I and I accept it as a reality. But just because you might not have a, a rudder on, on your boat and you're kind of like not going in the direction that you might want to go to, it doesn't mean you can't change course. And it certainly doesn't mean that you you don't have character or, or you're never going to find character because that's not the case either. I, I, I find those that are absent in character, it, mainly it seems to be a choice, you know, I, and not a conscious choice of, you know, hey, you know, I just don't want to have character, so I'm going to be some big jerk and not care about anything. No one's actually saying that for the most part, but the choices that they made in their lives or even in writing sometimes I find it develops people that that either lack character or they, they have one that's very underdeveloped because um, un- unfortunately in, in the arts and even in writing can, people can be quite selfish. They can be very narcissistic. There is a certain element of that in writing and art in general, because you got to have some time by yourself. you got to be able to devote some things to it, you know, in terms of it being a, a priority and, and it, it, it being a, a practice and it being something that you have to take serious. So you're going to have an element of that, whether someone calls that or not, whether it even turns into a certain form of that or not. Actually, that's healthy and, and that's normal and that's actually expected. You know, it's when people go to the extremes, and well, I'll give you some cases of that because I come across those, you know, every so often that, you know, those are the folks, now you have to be careful with, those are the folks that they're not really going to be producing anything that's going to be useful. They're just simply not because, you know, it's all about them. Remember, there is a world outside your room, outside your house, outside your city, and outside your country. 
Okay, <laughs> various labels of other reality and 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 experiences and people and 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 etc. And it can't just be about just that little tiny corner of of your world because you're not going to be in the end learning anything new to translate to us so that we can maybe learn something new. Now, I'm not saying you can't write autobiographical on a regular basis in the confessional school of things. Sure, of course you can. But even in those things, if they're done in a most honest fashion and if they're done in, in, in a way that's still art, people can, can see things in themselves in those pieces of work that they could say, wow, that hit me. That was great art. Wow, that was that was incredibly uh, emotionally revealing. Wow, I, I can relate. And now that I have that put in front of me, maybe I need to make a change or two or something. Because I don't know if I want to like continue in that way. Meaning you're bringing something to their attention that you maybe you're still working on. That's good art. That's good writing. That's that is a, a, a form of character. And and I applaud it. And it can be done. And it is done. In many instances, by people even on the conscious basis. But let me give you a couple of examples of, of things that will not only help shape your character as a writer, they might actually make you a better writer and they might even improve your success in getting accepted, which of course is also another part of being a writer, just like rejection is. And we'll talk about that as well. Okay. All right, so the first thing of the first things of all first things is you finish the work. I already talked about in the episode uh, some of the things you can do to improve your work, and we'll, we'll continue that conversation going forward in other episodes. But right now, you're composing a short cover letter. Uh, I don't care if the guidelines from the publication you're reading right now before you submit it says, hey, we don't need a cover letter. You should do a cover letter, okay? Even if it's something that's not fantastic, almost cheesy, even if you built it into your email and leave it there all the time and just fill in the gaps and the things you send in, you're still saying that it's a priority. You're still saying something about yourself. You're still saying, hey, thanks for being out there. This is me, and um, I worked on this, and... Uh, I'm coming from this thing and I want to get this over to you and, and thank you for being out there. You know, something along that line. I, 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 I always felt as a writer that it wasn't always necessary. Until I learned when I become an editor how welcoming it is. How when somebody up just, I, I feel, abruptly sends you an email with uh, uh, Jimbo. Uh, attachment of four poems, and and there's a bio in there too. Peace out. I mean, I mean, sure, that's it's shortened to the point, but was it really telling me at all? Some say, why should you know anything, Mark? Just read the damn work and judge it from there. And and that that sounds all wonderful, but I believe that. You, you should have an introduction. You should have a little something about what you're doing, what you're from, all that. Uh, bio is not really about that. Bio is towards the end. Bio is about some of the things you did, you know, yesterday or two years ago or whatever. Cover letter is really more about what's going on at the, at the moment. 
So it's 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 it, it should be new. It should be fresh. It's something, it's something different. It's not a bad introduction, and 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 I'm not telling you that if you don't have the cover letter, you're not going to get accepted. I'm just going to reject stuff, or I don't care, unless it's in the guideline, and it's not in my guideline, by the way. But unless it's in the guideline, you got to have that, or we're not going to look at your stuff. You know, I feel it's important mainly because. It kind of gives you an idea of where this person is sort of coming from. And I, and I don't think it's a bad thing to have. I really think that many times having that helps you even. Sort of frame where you're coming from, what you're trying to do. Versus I'm just shoving a bunch of this stuff out into cyberspace. And boy, I hope to God something happens good with it. I mean, that, that doesn't really sound very artistic. It just certainly doesn't sound like a... You know, a writer that uh, that that cares. It just sounds like you know, I'm just throwing it out there and whatever. And I think that's the reason why I like the cover letter. It has a, a real professional demeanor to it, even if it's written poorly. It still means something. And so I think it's important. It's like a like a form of literary manners. You know, have them. Have a cover letter. Use it. You know, I I I, I find that that people that do they. They feel that they've accepted more. They also feel that, that they've initiated more of a conversation with the editor who normally don't like to converse with people. Most don't. But you'd be surprised in the ones that do, you know, they, they, they like that. It means something to them. It's human. It's a connection beyond just the writing. So use it. And I see it's a real form of character in, in a writer to, to do so. Okay? Uh, next. Seems like it's a forever controversial subject here at Aerial Chart, and that's fine. I, I, I don't care because to me, it's very important, the, the, the bio. It's important that if I'm telling you in the guidelines that you should include it, that you should include it because it's in the guidelines. You know, the ones that you forgot to read as you're too busy shoving off poems and whatever you're sending over. Read the guidelines, folks. Not just mine, everyone's. And then make up your mind what you want to do. You know, I've known plenty of writers, including myself, when I put that hat on as a writer, that read guidelines and will literally say right in there and then, um, I'm not with this publication, so I don't really care. So I'm moving on to the next one. That's fine. Sometimes the things that irk me, I'm just not in the mood to do them at the moment. I got to like change oh, the, the fonts on all these three poems that I already have in a standard font, you know, uh, Times Roman 12, you know. Uh, just to send it over to this publication. Really? Or, are you kidding me? I, I got to put everything in PDF because it won't take any other format? Stuff like that becomes annoying to me. I got enough work to do. I got to go out and do some more. But guess what? Regardless of how valid I might think my position is, I am obligated, if I want to make a connection with that publication, to follow those guidelines. So if I want to submit to them, I need to do that. Otherwise, I need to move on to the next publication I want to look at. Maybe something that's a little more inviting to my attitude or my workload or my time available, whatever. But that's how you have to judge things, okay? And I'm sure there's probably some people that just skip over mine because they don't like this. And, that, and that's fine, too. It, it, it doesn't offend me. Short bio. Like I said before, I expect to see it. 
I, I shouldn't have to read something and then I'm ready to start getting this thing formatted into the publication. I'm looking for a bio and I don't have one. Now I got to make another connection. Hey, by the way, blah, blah, blah. And it's even worse if, if I allow it to come from one of my other editors. Because now I got to contact them. Because I might not even have that person's email address. Hey, by the way, can you go contact that person and get a bio? So it's just necessary just for the workload itself. It, it, it cuts 50% of having to, to, to reach out to people. Included already, please. It, for us, it just makes more sense. But then I have another component to that as well. Is, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in what I call balanced priorities. A lot of publications don't really um, practice this. Some of them don't even agree with it, and that's fine. To me, it's important. And what I mean by important is you could tell a great deal from somebody's short bio. And, I mean, I, I could give you an example of one I just had just the other day. And it's the traditional type of bio I get, and I, I, it really gives me warning signs, okay? When a bio is not balanced, it, what that means is that they have purposely neglected to even mention any of the journals, any of the magazines they've been printed in, they've been published in. None. So when I'm thinking about some some kind of publication with this person and as an editor, okay, the first thing I have to say to myself is really, they don't even want to acknowledge and include the ones they've been published in the past. Obviously, I'm never going to be included either. Why do I want to contract with somebody like this? Hmm? It's a two-way street, folks. Two-way street on, on respect, and it's a two-way street on, on marketing. You get published in my publication. You get a link. You can go market your stuff and increase your, you know, your 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 brand and your image out there and, and your work. I'm expecting the same. That's why when you include me in there, I get people contacting me back. Hey, man, I saw that. Uh, uh, Jim got published. I found you on the internet. And um, what do you think about this stuff here? That's how you get more people in. It's its own word of mouth. But it's also a form of respect. That they know, hey, Aero Chart has gotten this person published, this person, this, that, whatever. When you don't see that, okay, as an editor in the bio, it's a warning sign. Because what happens next is now what you see is 29,000 awards and 400 uh, different events they went to and and of course um, a book or two so this is not a balanced biography at all there's no balanced priority here this is all about the all about the writer uh, the hell with all the people who've supported that writer and published them because guess what you don't get to do any of those other things okay the awards the books the events if you're not really getting published out there so why is the first link and in my case, the belief that the, the most important link suddenly and incredibly, inexplicably left out of the bio. Why, why, why? Never get any answer for that. Never. I got a couple apologies when I call people out on it, but I never got an answer. Never one. Even from the people who had enough character and, 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 and guts to say, yeah, I, I blew that, man. Sorry, you're right. And I've gotten some people say that too. I have more respect for someone like that. But nevertheless, this is not just an oversight. You know, it's it's a way of thinking that I, I won't I won't promote. I, I'm not gonna publish someone that way. I don't care. That's right. I won't even get to the writing. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna give you some story like other editors are gonna give you. I'm gonna tell you the truth. 
I'm not even getting to your poem when I see garbage like that. It's just not going to happen for me. You're not someone I want to actually deal with then. Because in the end, just like all the other people, you're just going to throw me under the to the to the bed or the uh, or the bus someplace. Bury me someplace. That's what you're going to do like everybody else. So to me, it's an incredible lack of disrespect. It's just disrespectful. No respect at all. We're the front line on art and publications. So if you can't even manage to remember to mention two or three or four uh, of your most recent credits. So even though the credits that you just think they're important to you in your in your heart, I don't really care if they're recent or not. And that, that we have a problem. And quite frankly, and I don't have a problem saying that you have a problem because I won't I won't tolerate that kind of nonsense at all. So and I make it really clear in my in, in my guidelines. So lots of people when they when they do this, it's obvious to me right away that they didn't even read the guidelines. Because somehow they think all these guidelines are the same. Folks, if you've ever read my guidelines of aerial chart, you're going to see stuff you've never seen before in your life. You won't even find any publication on earth out there that has this kind of guideline. This kind of depth. You won't. I made it a point to do that. I made it a point to put all the things in as an editor and as a writer that I've experienced over the last 30-something years. To make sure that you understand that you could have a welcome place, but you know you gotta you gotta come with some character, you gotta come with some respect, you gotta come with somebody that wants to do something, that come with somebody that's not interested in just being a hobbyist or or, or, or just being a you know a propagandist or or just being you know a, a, a plain uh, I, I don't really I don't really care just you know here whatever we're real and we care. This is art. And it, it takes work. It takes work for you to do. It takes work for me to read. It takes work for me to get laid out. It takes work for me to publish. On my time. So it, it's to me a, a, a serious thing. Not, not something to, to play around with. So character is a big part of yourself as a writer. And of course in your submission process. Now, I'm, I'm not so bold to tell you that every editor out there that's reading your stuff is thinking the way I'm thinking or has those kind of guidelines because I already know that's the case that a lot of them are not. And that's fine. I'm not really into the editors be like me. I'm, really, I'm, I'm who I am. I'm not asking anyone to be like I am. But I am asking you to consider some of the things that I'm saying because even though... This might not be in the guidelines, formally or otherwise, for publications. And even though an editor might not publicly say, Mark's right or Mark's wrong, I already know talking to them privately, many of them, they already agree with some of this stuff. Which means that subliminally, in the back of their minds, when they see nonsense like this, you know, it irks them. And remember, when you irk somebody in the submission process and they have two, three, four, five hundred things to choose, well, if they find something that is the equivalent uh, talent or the equivalent impact, how the hell are they going to break that tie? Well, it just might be to somebody 
that has the bio or has the balance bio or has the, you know, uh, the manners to have a cover letter or maybe somebody that it just seems like they have more of it together. That might be the tiebreaker. Your professionalism, your character, how you went about things. So they'll all tell me about, oh my God, that's too much, Mark. You're too bold. You're too this. You're too that. And I already know that to a certain extent, (laughs) not only do they agree with me, but they even practice this. They just don't do it so formally. They don't do it so loudly. They certainly don't do it so publicly. And quite frankly, sometimes they just don't even do it consciously. But it's still there. Because we're artists, we're professionals, we're human. And these things, they do come across. I mean, it's not hard to look at a bio. And I'm, and I'm always shocked because I always... Remember, this is uh, Ariel Chart is one of the publications that uh, we give answers to when things get rejected. We don't give some form letter, you know, some... Anytime I make a, a, a reply to anyone about anything, it's not a repeat. It's not the same language even. You know, it's heartfelt, it's it's practical, it's factual, and, and, and in my in my mind, you know, this is this is my honest gist on something. You know? I, and but I when you see this kind of a bio, biography not being balanced, being I, I what I feel completely just selfish. Me, 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 you know, four hundred lines of that. Yeah, you're not gonna even get quality work. You'll be shocked at how the work is not even quality. Because they're so already amazed by themselves. They're already so uh, hypnotized by their achievements that they they feel they could just send any damn thing out and, and it's going to be okay because my bio will cover up the rest. Uh, no, it won't. In fact, your bio is going to indict you. That's, that's how that's going to work. And I had that happen just the other day. And I expected the, the same answer that I expected after I, I typed it in because it's that predictable. Telling somebody, listen, these titles... That not only are they boring and repetitive and unpoetic and cliche, they're not going to work. And then when you give me, then when you give me a bio like that, I mean, I already know now where you're coming from on this. You don't really care. You're resting on all these laurels, as they say. God, I hate these cliches. I really do. But (laughs) you see where it comes from. That's exactly what that person is doing. And I called him exactly out on it too. By telling them in a professional editorial way. Hey listen. You want to include a bio like this. You're just telling the editor. Okay. That they should be expecting more. I should be expecting more from your work. If you have a bio like this. Now is it right. To expect more? I, I believe it is. Because uh, quite frankly, you, you get, you're telling me something of a higher standard. But then you're giving me a lower standard. I don't really care if it was... You had these awards and you did all these great things in fiction or, or in drama. But now you're giving me poetry. No. If you're going to quote these things which have nothing to do with your submission. Then I'm expecting either the same type of quality then. I'm expecting something something wonderful. Something that's going to grab my attention. Not something that, that's sloppy. Partially offensive, boring at times, cliche all over the place. I'm supposed to expect less 
from you? I get less, unfortunately, with these kind of bios. It tells me something right away. You'd be shocked by it. It's almost like one of those type of profiles that people have at the airport or something, you know? It's like a literary profile. But it comes, it becomes in, in that direction, unfortunately, because it is that predictable. And it's just that unfortunate. And, of course, you get the same response every time. And when I mean the same response, is the same response from people with these unbalanced priority biographies. The same ones all the time. Well, I'll go somewhere else, and I think this is great, and I don't know, maybe you didn't read it right, or maybe you're having a problem, or other people love it, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. I'm sorry. When I get something like that, I have to come to a couple conclusions. Either... Uh, you're so fascinated with yourself that you just think you can put anything out there or maybe you're just giving me junk for some reason and it's another form of disrespect and all the good stuff is going somewhere else because I'm like, if you have something better, uh, send it over. Just because I rejected you now doesn't mean I'm rejecting you forever. Give me something else then. Because you're not going to prove me wrong. All you're going to do is you're going to prove me right because... If you give me something better, I'm like, well, what the hell was that? Why did you give me the other stuff? If you give me the same junk again, I'm right anyway. You see? So it's, <laughs> I'm not going to be proven wrong. And it's not really about being right or wrong, but it's really about with the understanding of what you should be doing to get accepted and how people are going to look at this. You are building an image for yourself that you yourself created. I didn't create this. You're, you're Joe Blow from wherever in the world when you're submitting stuff to me. That's who you are. You cover the living, might give a little bit more life. Great, thank you. But the Bible is going to tell a whole rest of the story. It really is. So I say keep it short. Don't try to put too much stuff in there. Don't try to overload it. It's not going to impress that many people. God knows it's not going to impress me. And I know it might not seem fair to you, but this is the way people work, and this is the way the world works. I don't know why I'm supposed to be any different. If you walk into an interview, let's say for a job, okay, and you tell them about all these incredible achievements you, you, you've done, but your interview, you know, is inarticulate, lackluster, practically boastful, why are they taking you seriously? Because you already framed it that you're somebody great. Well, if you're telling somebody's great now, you better start being great. Otherwise, shut up and go about a different approach. Maybe something more modest. It's no different with, with the writing and the submission, folks. I mean, it's really that simple. If you're telling me you won this, this big award, hey, that's cool. Well, guess what? I don't have any choice to unread that or to unthink that or to unfeel that I'm now saying to myself okay I'm going to be getting some stuff over here that that's going to have some potentially award winning quality hmm so if I get junk or I get like uh, what yeah I am let down yeah you're going to be rejected yeah I'm, I'm disappointed you set my expectations and you didn't meet them so it's really no different than that first encounter on a date. You know, after you just told them that, you know, you're the Nobel Prize in sleeping in bed or something. And then they're looking at you going, yeah, okay, sure. All right. 
or in an interview or when you're meeting a, 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 a new person or relative for the first time or writing or anything else. Okay, folks? You have to be cognizant with character and, and, and of course, with, with some real integrity on the type of image that you are setting and with that, possibly the expectation that you could be putting out there. I don't want to sound political because I'm not really a political person on this show, you know, but they say in those political campaigns that maybe sometimes going into a situation by lowering expectations could help their candidate because then anything that kind of goes up from there, they can see it as a success or they can talk about it as a success, you know, versus going up here and then everything goes down from there. I don't know if that means that you, you know, go a little less boastful on the bio or a little less, you know, crazy on the the cover letter or paragraph or sentence. I don't really know. I mean, I got people that that tell me all the time, I'm married, I got two kids, I got a cat that, you know, rips the carpet up and got a child that throws, you know, rocks at cars and, you know, and I, I do some poetry here and I live in a cabin and I'm retired and, you know, Check it out. Peace out. God bless. You know. Great. There's nothing wrong with any of that. <laughs> but I might actually prefer some of that. than, you know. I was uh, you know, honorable mention. And the Nobel Prize. And uh, you know. I, I was third down from the Pulitzer. And um, here's, here's three of my poems. Uh, that uh, that barely can cut the mustard. Okay. So that's that's really how you have to look at that. Try to keep it. Relevant, try to keep it controlled and, of course, try to keep it with how somebody else might think. Look at it and, and try, if you can, maybe you can ask somebody else. But I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, folks, as truthful as we want to be as writers and as truthful as we should try to live as writers, which really is a segment of this show, um, there is perception is reality that 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 is part of of life and that's part of a lot that we do is it a, a sort of a weird strange tangent of prejudice yeah maybe it could be hey man it's not really cool to judge me that way when you haven't gotten the whole thing you know maybe you could say that's prejudice but you you're not really going to convince a lot of people of that because if you came across crappy in that first 10 seconds they they might not want to give you any more time to explain and why should they people's time is precious people's time is limited sometimes people's patience are limited so you might only get that window to perform so to speak so i'd like you to consider all of that when you're when you're submitting you know and, and it's the same thing with your work too if you're not trying to do your best to align it to some of the direction that the publication is going to, you, you, you're doing yourself a disservice as much as you're, you're irking the editor, of course. I'm not one of those publications in, in that way because we don't have themes at all, no matter what month it is, what year it is, whatever is going on, I don't have a theme. So I don't care about that part. But uh, my overall, I guess you could say, theme, if you want to say that, is I want it to be art. I want it to, to, to say something. And I don't want it to be, 
you know, about Batman or, you know, frogs in the ocean, and uh, unless you can make that interesting. You know, so I guess that's my way of going about things. And it's not hard to tell from reading it uh, what we're trying to do. Some publications might be a lot more distinct. You know? You, you, you get a publication that is, um, let's say, um, from the Caribbean, they, they might be want that type of theme in there. They want something about the ocean, about living in the sun, and they want, you know, how that, that lifestyle and all that. Maybe that's what they want. They might even say that in the guidelines, or maybe they don't, but you might see from some of the work. It goes back to just some of the basic research you should do, just to, at least to take a peek. Okay, I'm not going to go as far as other editors. You need to read 17 of our back issues and subscribe for four years before you submit to us. I mean, I'm not going to get carried away with all that stuff because it doesn't mean that if you did all that stuff, you're going to get published by them. And it damn sure doesn't mean that you've now figured out the exact way to get something submitted to them because you're not. And it's not going to happen that way. But there is some truth to just doing some basic investigation of Someplace you might want to submit. I mean, you got the link right there. Give it a checking out. Sometimes it even says the guidelines. Hey, if we can't answer this in the guidelines, you might want to see what we've done in the past. Just even the past one or two episodes. Or, you know, I'm on the show, so I say everything is episodes. But one or two past issues. It can hurt. It can be informing. You know, and it's not going to hurt you to do that. Because you might actually find out every so often that just the piece that you might want to send, you're like, oh, wait, maybe this is not going to go with that one. And just save yourself a, a rejection, you know, because whenever you can figure out where something could possibly go and have a better chance, you are increasing your chances. And that's really a smarter way of going about things. And certainly in many ways, an artistic way of going about things. Because it's not, <laughs> if you think about it, it's not artistic to send something that doesn't fit in. And they expect that, you know, they're going to give you some rave about it. If anything, you're just going to get a form letter. I know it doesn't tell you what really happened, but still. You know, you're almost asking for that. So, without making a joke here, folks, don't look for a rejection, okay? Because you're going to get plenty of it. <laughs> By yourself, even by doing everything right. So don't don't go around looking for it and increasing it. And that's what you do by not trying to do your best to to align things up as much as you can. It's not an exact science. A lot of stuff isn't. It's no different. But you really should put in just a, just a little bit of work. You're gonna find in more times than not, you know, it, it it does pay off versus not doing it at all and just blindly sending something out there and you know expecting something, you know. So definitely uh, keep that in, in, in part of your practice as much as you can. We all have different schedules and, and, and different, you know, tolerances and stuff like that. You know, if you're sending 10, uh, 10, things, in, uh, 10 things out to 10 different publications, maybe you don't have the time to go around looking at each one of those. That's the chance you take, but you should. And I always encourage that, including my, our own to a certain extent. And I'm happy that lots of people tell me that they have. A lot of times they open their cover letter that way. Which, by the way, is not a bad way to do things. You're not kissing anybody's butt. You're not being some swarmy, you know, uh, person. It shows a real sense of, of, of priority and professionalism. 
Hey, editor, I, uh, you know, I checked out your other issue, and I like what was going on over there. I, I feel that I could fit in, and here's a, here's a couple of mine. You know, I've been uh, published over in Boo 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 Boo, and, you know, I, I, got, a, I got a husband and a, and a cat, and I just uh, completed my, uh, my master's in, you know, uh, aerodynamics, okay? Have a good one. Take care. There you go. Not bad right there. So it, it could really help inform, you know, what you're doing. You know, it, I, I always used to tell people when I worked in, in, in some sales type of a job, you know, I used to always remind people, listen, the more that you get to know both about the product or service that you're doing here and the people that you're trying to, you know, sell it to, you know, the, the more successful you're going to be because you are helping to fill in not only the gaps of conversation, but sometimes even the gaps uh, uh, of their information. The more somebody is convinced that they could use this, well, that's the greater of your sale. You know? You don't have to be slick or, or less than honest. You know what I mean? Or, or, or swarmy or snarky or none of that nonsense. You don't have to do any of that stuff that a stereotypical salesman would do. <laughs> All you have to do is sound like you actually know what the heck you're talking about because to a certain extent you do. You know, and make a personal connection with somebody. More times than not, things are, are sold that way because you're not in a rush to to do some uh, five-point formula that, you know, some dork sold you in, in, in a seminar versus just making a human connection. And, and I think that when you do the cover letter, you're making a human connection. Now, here's another interesting part of the, the show and, and of character in a, in a writer is, and I mentioned this a number of times in other episodes, it's just important to emphasize again, okay? Be more than the muse, okay? Don't expect that because you had some incredible inspiration like two weeks ago, uh, you're going to be waiting around for it again. And uh, well, Guess what, folks? You can't really always operate on a muse, Amuses, you know, that bolt of lightning, that strike of inspiration, that that incredible insight that suddenly will come to you. You don't know when that's going to come. You you don't even know if it will ever come again. So have some kind of a plan. I don't care if it's the greatest plan in the world or the worst plan in the world. Have some kind of a plan. And this is what I mean by plan. Because I'm not talking about, you know, storming the beaches of Normandy over here. I'm talking about... Hey, um, I want to do this essay and um, I want to talk about how lizards have been beneficial to my landscaping because they keep down the bugs and because they keep down the bugs, my plants grow better and they have less than coming into my house. And overall, it's really improved in the quality of my life because there are lizards there. So maybe I want to write an essay about that subject. But I want to also put a couple things in that, that are dear to my heart. Like, you know, I want to try to um, maybe put down, you know, pesticides that, you know, won't harm the, the lizard. And, you know, sort of control the bugs, but then, you know, still keep the lizards, you know, around. Or maybe I want to um, do things in, in such a way that um, I could have lizards come around a little bit more. Maybe do a little different things with the landscape and to have them almost like 
you know, mini pets or something. But when you're talking about these things to yourself, about the general direction you want a piece to go in, and maybe even a couple of key points in that, that piece right there, there you go. You have put together a plan. A plan is not just about the things that you're going to do to make the plan successful. Oftentimes the plan is just, just the, the surface stuff about this is what I want to do. I still got to figure out when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it, how many drafts it's going to take and blah, blah, blah. We could talk about that in other episodes. But the basic plan is that because when you don't do that, and you just wait around. Well, you'll be like some writers I know that, you know, Mark, I'm just not prolific enough. Well, you're not prolific enough because you don't have a plan. You're not throwing a few things in a notebook here and there. You're not casting out a couple ideas, holding on to them somewhere. Maybe the notes in your phone or something or, or whatever. Things that later on can spark your interest. Or your deeper commitment to it. Or even the muse you, you're waiting for. Maybe it grabs onto one of those things that you wrote down. Boom. And the next thing you know you're, you're flying out the door and doing it. It's necessary a, a component to, to the character in, in, in a writer. Because you are being proactive. You are taking steps forward. And I'm telling everyone all the time. I tell people this. Waiting is a bad idea. Okay. Because waiting... We don't know what days we have left. We don't know if tomorrow you're going to have a heart attack and die. You're waiting three weeks for what? To die? You could have been doing things. Waiting is bad. Waiting is never a good thing for writing at all. You should be always figuring out new things. Always putting down something. Because if you, if you don't and you wait, well, there goes the window of that submission to a magazine you might have liked. They, they could have used that piece that you didn't write. Or maybe you, you wrote and you're ready to go on something and, and now, you, now you're ill. Now you got pneumonia and you're going to be out for a couple of weeks. Or now something in your family's sick and you got to go handle that. Or now you got some job thing and you're stuck out of town for a week or something. And all kinds of other things in life will catch up. And they'll fill that gap in that you're not doing anything with. With all kinds of stuff that nobody cares about. You know? I know laundry is important, folks. But I don't live for it. I don't care about doing it even though I do it. It's not something I love. Love writing. Love reading the stuff you submit. Love talking about these things on the show. Don't love laundry. I don't even love laundry when it comes out clean. That's how much I don't love laundry. Okay? Now, I wouldn't say uh, it's something I hate. Because that's ridiculous. I don't really hate that many things in life or in general. But I really, really don't like doing it. And really, really don't like dealing with it. To me, it's like a never-ending chore. Got to go gather it up. Got to put stuff on it so the stuff comes out. Got to put it in the washing machine. Then I got to pull it out. Then I got to sort it. Then I got to go put it back so I can do all this all over again. Okay? I'm, I'm really convinced, just like Einstein was convinced, okay, that certain menial choice could possibly reduce your IQ. Now, there's no scientific evidence of this. And Einstein actually thought this, believe it or not. <laughs> It's because why he didn't even want to do his own tax return. He's like, this will mess my brain up. I'll have somebody else do this. He used to have the, the same suit in his closet, six and seven versions of it. So he could just pick it up and go. Why? Because he didn't want to waste his time thinking about matching this and doing that and blah, blah, blah. 
I'm certainly not telling you that I'm Einstein, but I appreciate some of the things he had to say about that because I, I feel that way in many things in, in, in life. It's like, ugh, who wants to do this? So I'd rather be working and doing these sort of things because I don't know how much time I have left. And God knows I'd rather be trying to figure out how to improve this poem than how to improve this stain I got from landscaping. That's why I try to wear the worst, oldest clothes possible when I go out and work on things around the house because I don't really even want to launder them sometimes. Sometimes I just want to keep wearing them until they fall apart and then I can actually throw them in the garbage. Be done with it. Because I'm not going to wear them to a dinner party. I'm not going to wear them to work. I'm not going to wear them when I'm sitting there watching the TV. They're only for that task anyway. So what the heck's the point? So every so often I, I find efficiency can be useful. And it is in that situation. Just ugh. And that's what I urge you to do as well. So have some kind of basic plan. Okay? And those things I just outlined to you, those, those are really a, a rudimentary plan. But you'll find how darn useful they are, how actually in their own right can encourage inspiration to yourself. It'll happen naturally, okay? You don't have to just write this stuff in here and look at it every day. All right, man, when the hell is this going to pop into something great? I keep staring at it, man. What's up? It's not like that, okay? But what it is, is no different if you know anything about hunting and hunting requires a measure of patience. Sometimes you can't go out there, rattle around, and, and you know do this and do that, and expect that something's going to come to you, or you're going to just blast something. And it's going to be fine. Sometimes it's about waiting and, and blending in and taking a shot when it's necessary. Not just for the art and the craft of it all, or, or because you don't want to waste bullets, but because that's really what's necessary to get that particular job done. It's really the same way. Have the plan. Throw it in some place. I'm not saying you're going to forget it by the 10 years later. Most people don't. But it's that little plan book you have. That little journal. That little whatever it is. That you can consistently go back to. Okay. It's going to be a guide point for you. You might see some similarities to things. You might see things that connect together from something else you wrote. You might see a pattern emerge. You might see something that just... From something happening in that day or that week that it all comes together. Oh, that's what that is. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's go and do that. So you're helping yourself. You're becoming your own catalyst. You're using these plan ideas to, in, in, a, in a strange way, inspire inspiration. Encourage the muse. Have those artistic thought frames come back to you in a way that you sustain long enough to get something done that you're forming something now that you can finally get out of a first draft and maybe on to something you feel comfortable and then possibly you can go submit so have that plan don't rely on the muse don't be waiting around now like i mentioned at the beginning of the show i mentioned towards the end of the show do whatever you can Whenever it's possible to sort of practice what you're writing. And what I really mean by that is not necessarily if you're just a social writer. Whatever kind of writing it is, you want to you want to try to practice the things in your life that's necessary, you know, to build in yourself. Not only the character and an integrity that's going to sustain you as, as a writer, you know, and, and, and increase your success when you contact other editors and when you submit things out there. A lot of that stuff will, will blend over into your, into your writing, believe it or not. But also, 
you start becoming more confident about things when you start feeling that you're becoming more uh, uh, of an authority on, on a particular thing. I mean, I'll give you an example, okay? It's one thing entirely, you know, to put some bumper sticker on um, your car or your, your, your knapsack or even, you know, that little square on your picture on the Facebook, you know, to mimic whatever slogan that's being banded about today. Okay, that's one thing. But it's quite another to actually start doing something about that issue that you're mad about. Or to actually practice some of that stuff you're talking about. It's an entirely different thing. So one thing, to me, anyway, without trying to sound too harsh, you know, is, is a bandwagon thing. And the other thing is you're actually trying to live that. I don't have to agree what, what you're doing or what you're believing in. But I will always have the respect that to know that you're doing something about that. And we have too many people in this society, which is why so many things don't actually get resolved. Even though the answers are right in front of our face. Because uh, there's a gigantic like Grand Canyon between the words and the deeds. You know, between what somebody preaches and what somebody practices. So don't be like that as a writer, okay? If, if you want to write about something uh, topical or even maybe partially uh, controversial, I mean, to me, I, I, I want to know what you've done about that. What informs this piece of writing other than just that you're in an armchair somewhere ranting off something? Because to me, it's not authentic then. Writing should be authentic. It, it should mean something Regardless if somebody agrees with it or not, if they can feel that you also went out there and tried to do something. Yeah, even to improve the world. Even if I don't agree with the issue uh, that I, I don't think it's going to improve the world. I think it probably messes up more. Fine. Go out there and do that then. It informs the writing. It makes it not only more real. You know, It makes it, in my opinion, more art. Because the best art, not just reflects a piece of reality out there, it, it in many ways starts resembling it. That's some of the very best art. Almost like a literary photograph. Where you're like, yeah, I could I could see that because I see what this person is trying to do. You know, their their words are telling me that they've been in the middle of that trying to get something done. People are going to have respect for that. But more important than that, that's how you in that particular theme or issue or whatever you want to call that is going to make the connection. I don't know if it's the connection that's going to change somebody's mind. It, that might not even be the point of the piece. But it's the connection that you're supposed to do as a writer. That's where your, your character comes from. That's where the integrity comes from. When you make that kind of connection, especially on something that... They might not normally agree with, or they might not even normally want to read about. That's really when you're doing your job as a writer, and that's when you're, you're becoming successful. So really, really keep that in mind. Don't be out there being fake and, and, and being a poser like they say in rock music. <laughs> that does not help anybody at all. It doesn't mean anything. And at me, it makes me, me, I find it more suspect, and I get more, myself personally, I get... I get more suspicious then when I see all that stuff bandied about. Because that's the first thing I'm saying to myself. 
Or are they doing something about this? You know? So I, I like when people try to do something about that. I remember it was some years back because it's, it's become a prominent practice right now. And God bless the persons that, 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 that started doing this because they, they started a, a really useful trend. When um, a, a chef one day had said, uh, you know, um, I, I feel... I feel sinful practically that I'm throwing this food out after, afterwards and I know I can't keep it because it's not healthy to do so and, and uh, what can I do with it and then came up with an idea about trying to put it together and giving it out to various uh, homeless shelters I think at one point the person that started doing this uh, before they started doing the homeless shelter things was just literally going out to the people and streets and stuff and it looked like they were hungry and hey I just I'm gonna cook for this restaurant and take this and eat it and blah blah at least feeling that they you know they didn't get thrown out for no reason and blah 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 but um now it's become a real common practice there you go now I'm mentioning something like that from somebody who wasn't a writer but it, it just gives you the real illustration of all that person had to do is moan and groan about that or Banty about for the next 10 years. You know, I really wish somebody would figure out what to do with this extra food. I hate throwing it out. Blah, blah, blah. Throw it out and go have a cigarette and, you know, have a wine and, and go dance with your girlfriend. That, that doesn't do anything to, to help anybody or, or change anything. You know, as writers, especially if we're tasking in ourselves with some things that we want to see change or some things we want to try to get involved in to change, well, it's going to require some work to get the life experience to get some of the insight to maybe even get your hands and your feet dirty in order to be able to inform what you want to write about it next that that's going to have the impact that that's going to you know if not sway people it's going to connect enough with people that that's going to be in their minds remember you'll be planting a seed you don't you're not expecting it to grow overnight you know you might still have 500 people read that and say i don't agree but you know, you'd be surprised on how a hundred of them a year later, that's still in their head about, hmm, I don't know about that. I remember that. You're, part of what you're doing is, is about the planting that seed. And you can't plant that seed, if you know anything about farming, you know, until you're doing something to that soil. And what are you doing to that soil? You're disrupting that soil. You're opening that soil. It takes work to do that. So that's what the life experience, that's what going out there and doing something about is all about because that's the only way you can get the seed in there for it has a chance to grow because otherwise it don't you could just throw it on the ground you might get a couple things here and there but you're not going to be able to do anything of any sustained result hell every damn seed you put out there that way it could all get picked up eaten by birds and ruined by the weather it's the same thing with bad writing or, or un uninformed writing or what i feel inauthentic writing and we got a lot of that out there too and i try not to to my very best, not not, not privilege that. Don't get me wrong, I'm still human. I, I can't always tell. I mean, I, I don't have some incredible detector that can detect 100% all of these things I'm telling you about. I tell you that I'm unaware for them and I'm looking out for them. I'm doing my best to be vigilant, but, you know, I'm human. So I do all that I can do. But this is what I believe that you should try to be doing. Being a more active participant in your community and being a more active person just walking outside the house and looking around 
you know, and being somebody that's willing to have some communicative skills with other people, being somebody that's maybe picked an issue and, and see what they could do about it, that's going to make you a more informed person. Yeah, a, a better person. And guess what? You're going to be a more informed and you're going to be a better writer because of it. Just naturally, it'll sink in. It has a change for you and it's going to change your writing. I know, and I'm coming to the close of the show, I know there's a lot of people that used to have some of these, what I call the old-fashioned thinking about that. There's a difference between, uh, you know, writing and, and, and living. Or there's a difference between, you know, what I do in the world and what I write about. And I'm saying it more and more. There isn't, and there really, there really shouldn't be. Okay? They really shouldn't be. I don't care if you're writing about spaceships and aliens, and that's all you do is science fiction. Well, Mark, how do I live science fiction? Well, you're still having these characters do things, good, bad, or indifferent, and they're making choices, and there are consequences. That's no different than life here on, on Earth. And if you're making the poor choices, or if you're making the, the safe choices, then how the hell are you imbuing these characters into anything that makes any kind of sense, you know? How does your book have more of a sense of adventure than you do? That don't make a lot of sense. And maybe that's something you need to look at and, and, and possibly correct. Because the adventure should be coming from you, not the other way around. Okay? You should be putting in the adventure into that story that you already had in your life. Whether it was two years ago, ten years ago, three days ago, whatever. So it should be coming from something you did. Or maybe even something you're going to do next week and... With the hope that it's going to invest in that. But yeah, there, there, there really is and really should be a connection. There should not be some compartmentalized thing. Like I said, that's, that always made no sense to me. And it's an, it's an older form of thinking that, to me, don't really bear fruit. Not, not in the day and age we live now. Maybe there was a point in, in the past or in history that, that, that made some sense. And that, and that was relevant. And, and, but... I don't see how that makes any sense right now. It really doesn't. You know, you should practice what you write. You should write in many instances what you practice. And quite frankly, you should be trying to live a, a, a life that not, is, not only has integrity and character, but also has a sense of what I'm doing today could affect tomorrow. Not just with your family, your children, but just, you know, in life in, in general. Or maybe even in your own life. Because remember, the things we, we travel on, you know, they, they do have a, a path of, of consequences, good, bad, and indifferent. So try to keep all those folks in mind. Uh, character and, and, and writing here. And then a writer. And episode 129. I really hope that some of this will stick with you and you'll see some of the... Uh, the usefulness in it and on becoming a, a more fuller person and a more fuller writer. Until next time, folks, God bless and you take care. This is Mark Anthony Rossi, Strength to be Human, Character and a Writer. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing www.somapublishing.com